Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Rocky Four, starring Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Carl Weathers, and Dolph Lundgren. Written and directed by Sylvester Stallone. Yet again, three films in a row written and directed by. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. It's time to continue on this Rocky cask review retrospective, and we are up to round number four, Rocky Four from 1985. I'm excited to get into this one as I've kind of let slip in weeks past that this was actually the first Rocky film um, I ever saw on TNT or TBS one Saturday afternoon and really picked up on the formula. And I was like, that's that's great. I got to see more of that. It's interesting as we talked, you sometimes ask me, like, I wonder what it was like when you saw this movie in the theater. But I'm kind of jealous that you jumped in in the height of Cold War action film disguised as sports movie. <laughs> and then how that progression sort of worked backwards to like one and two, because those are wildly different in pacing and tone and action. Did you find them a little sleepy or maybe boring first off? I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I was just like, oh, this one's a little different, but it still followed that kind of same formula. You're, you're guaranteed a fight. You're guaranteed the training montages and a recap of sorts. Mm-hmm. No, I liked it. I liked kind of the revisit. And then the box set, when I finally got that, the first one I watched was five because that was the one I hadn't seen yet. Oops. And yeah, <laughs> next week we'll get to that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and um, yeah, we'll have some more of the Blantons. It's been a good bottle for us. Very good. Mm-hmm. And then I want to read something from two of our really good fans here. So Brett um, had some really good um, responses. Um. And we get a lot of responses every week, and we just haven't been like very good about like reading them in every episode. We just get right into the episode, but I really wanted to highlight these ones this week. So, in our response to what films uh, should have, um, you know, stopped at number one <laughs> and not continued on, bro was like, "Yeah, you could have made the case for Fast and the Furious," and I was like, "Yeah, you probably could have." And now, ten films later, <laughs> they're right. still churning them along. No breaks on that franchise. And the other one he said though was interesting was Jurassic Park because yeah. that first one's so good, and two and three are like, yeah. And then let's not even go there with Jurassic World and whatever that is. Right. So I think that's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. And then he also had uh, for the with a particular week entry, Matt. I can't believe I forgot this one because I probably would have picked this instead of The Exorcist to the Heretic. Thor the Dark World. Yeah. How did I slip up on that one? You hate that movie. <laughs> I do. It's just so uh, forgettably uh, uh, non-consequential, like The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess there's the staying power in that maybe that's like the red gem ether or whatever the hell that becomes in the gauntlet. I don't remember what red becomes, but man, that's it a is. Stretch. It is a... Technically an Infinity Stone movie, which yeah. uh, just, man, you don't want to rewatch that. No. And then our pal Joey, um, he was the one. And Joey, we got a big surprise coming for you in a couple weeks. Uh, maybe it has to do with, with uh, a Texas chainsaw of sorts. That's right, Joey. We appreciate that. <laughs> but he had a response to us talking about Hulk Hogan last week and Russ- WrestleMania. And he actually says, um, uh, 
want to just kind of, he's like, hey, gentlemen, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to the Rocky cast and especially appreciated the bit concerning Hulk Hogan. And he grew up as a huge wrestling fan in the 80s. And he says, I can tell you that when Rocky Three hit theaters in summer 82, Hulk Hogan was not quite yet the household name that he would become. Hogan toppled the Iron Sheik for the WWF Championship on the match you discussed in January of 84. How about that? Okay. And then he said Hogan and Mr. T would actually join forces in a tag team match for the first main uh, first WrestleMania event, and they walked out to Eye of the Tiger. Uh-huh. That's sweet. That's odd. I have no idea. And Jesse, if I... Or- Jesse and Joe, if I'm not mistaken, I think they took on the Iron Sheik and, oh gosh, there was a, a very Russian guy. What the hell was his name? Um, oh, look it up. And okay. I think that's who they took on in that match. Okay. God, what was his name? Oh, you're asking Nikita. Me. Oh, God. I'm going to look it up. You'll look it up in the meantime. But yeah, thank you. That, that that's I like that insightful insight into that little aspect that we're talking about. Yeah, there's a bunch. There's a couple things about uh, the Hangover and Part Two on that. That that was. I guess we had a good question this weekend. Yeah, those oh, that are goes good. to Mr. Dub. Yeah, right? thank, thank, thanks, Brad. Yeah, excellent. Well, uh, yeah, hit us up on any of the social medias in response to anything, and uh, on our email, ricemileproductions at gmail Yeah. So let's get right to it and get this thing started with our flight question. I can't wait to talk about that montage. (laughs) Matt, why don't you hit us with the flight uh, question for this week? So obviously when Stallone comes up, it falls into an immediate thought of Rocky, but I think that might be selling him as an actor a little bit short. So the flight tonight is what three non-Rocky roles are your Sylvester Stallone go-tos or favorites? Perfect. We'll start with number three. Number three, you want me to go first or you want to? Uh, You go first. When I saw this movie, it wasn't the title that it is now. It's changed a little bit. I just knew it as Victory. Mm. It's now called Escape to Victory. Hmm. (laughs) And it's a soccer movie. With Michael Caine. Yeah, Yeah. and Pele. (laughs) Yes, I've seen that. Uh, This is B-movie gold for everybody that hasn't seen it. Imagine a prison break from a Nazi internment camp, but the prisoners are about to beat one of the greatest, I almost said hockey, Mm -hmm. soccer powers of all time. And instead of choosing to go through the wall that they blew in the shower and escape, they head back out to the field and take down the bad guys for everybody to see. That's a fun movie. I've seen, I've seen that one. Salone's the goalie. Yeah. Or the keeper. Yeah. Um, And his, his deal in that is rather interesting because he just sort of happens into it. And then comes to find out he's pretty damn good. And, uh, you know, what was great about that film is they cast real EPL players of the time mm-hmm. to go against them. Of course, they had Pele on their team, so that's a good start. Yeah, I just think that's a really interesting movie that most people have not seen. And Stallone's really good in it. Mm-hmm. Is in that like 1981? 82, I think. But okay. yeah, right around there. Yeah. Okay, cool. What do you got? Number three. Excellent. Number three, I'm actually going to go Gabe Walker from Cliffhanger. We talked about in the Die Hard episode the moniker of "Okay Hollywood." I, we want Die Hard on this and that and that. Cliffhanger's Die Hard on a mountain, if you could fathom such a concept. But he's really good at it, and in, in kind of like his like 
plateauing and peaking of like his action in the early to mid 90s where you're really starting to eh, maybe it's kind of starting to slow down a bit for him cliffhanger brings out all the stops that movie's wild john lithgow eats up the all the scene the mountain scenery michael rooker that's great i always remember when he um he killed that guy by um shoving him into a stalagmite he's really good but it's that's peak stallone action from that period whether it be demolition man judge dread i leer more towards cliffhanger in that regard yeah yeah that's a good one too number like two that. number two i'm yep. gonna go with the nighthawks mm-hmm. Stallone plays sergeant deke de silva mm-hmm. this is kind of a cop buddy film before that was the flavor of the decade for about six or seven years a little bit ahead of its curve mm-hmm. um i think that's a solid film yeah not land breaking or or mind bending or any of those avant-garde sort of roles it's 48 hours-esque with a bit of a different take in it that's a little more serious but kind of plays on some of the same tropes. Not to be confused with Night Shift with the Fonz and Michael Keaton. Which could easily happen in this case. Yeah. (laughs) No, um, I like that film. It's been a while since I've seen it. And going through this list, Mm -hmm. that was one that I knew I wanted to put on here. I think I might have to sit down and give that one another watch. Just going back and just kind of rereading. I I, I think I'm interested in that film. It's on Netflix right now. Well, it might be something to do tonight. Excellent. Number two for me. You know what? I In the last couple of years, I've like heard varying opinions on this film and say what you will. I really like it. And I think it's a fun, another buddy cop action film. It's Tango and Cash. So I'm going to go Detective Ray Tango um, from but, that film. I bet you like the co-star in that I film do too. too. I, they play off each other well. They're, yeah. they're both kind of like, they both bring something different to those characters. And Jack Palance is the bad guy in that. Yeah. And, uh, uh, James Hong, David Lopan is like the sub villain and uh, Brion James from uh, Blade Runner fame like that, that and Terry Hatcher like that's a great cast in that movie and it's like a prison breakout lethal weapon type of film and they're both good in it um, but uh, Stallone really um, he's kind of playing like the straight laced detective guy in that which is a little different compared to Rocky like compared to like he's he's by the books order until they get framed in that. Do you ever get in your mind Tango and Cash and Tequila Sunrise? Uh, confused? Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Me too, a little bit. I like that movie too. Yeah. Yeah, with Mel Gibson. Good one. Yeah, I like Tango and Cash. I, they could have done a sequel to that. I'm surprised that never happened because it was a moderately successful film. I think Stallone like talked to Russell recently. He's like, hey, we, we could actually do a, we should do a Tango and Cash sequel. And Russell's like, oh, and the ship sailed on that idea a long time ago. He's like, we're too old for that. <laughs> Okay, Matt, what do you got for number one? Prior to Stallone's involvement in Creed and the acclaim that he received from that, I think this is probably per Golden Globe buzz status his most, and I hate saying this because it doesn't mean anything, but I think in this case it's warranted critically acclaimed film prior to that. um, It's Copland. Mm. Look, in Hollywood they love when the actor or actress goes through a physical body change, mm-hmm. you know, and that could be Tom Hanks in Castaway or Christian Bale in The Fighter. We can go on and on and on with some of those like really tough changes that these people put <laughs> themselves they, through. They do love that. <laughs> but Stallone goes the other way in that film. Mm-hmm. In a movie that's one man against a terribly corrupt system with not really any chance of surviving, mm-hmm. it's still knocked down and drag out, but it's a little bit in that era of that, I don't want to say avant-garde and not quite auteur, but a little bit in, was that like 
late 90s. It's kind of around that time that like heat and films like that. So if Michael Mann lost all the glitz and just kind of gritted it down, Mm -hmm. even like from the cast, you would get Copland, I think. Mm -hmm. I just remember that sequence in the film when he's walking down the street with that shotgun. Mm -hmm. His uniform's kind of just torn to hell and this man has no chance of surviving. And I just think aside from the action pieces, Stallone really does a good job of playing the cop in that film. Um, and I think the cop's name is uh, Freddie Heflin, mm-hmm. Sergeant Freddie Heflin. So I'm going to go with Copland. Excellent. Uh, yeah. He's he's really good in that movie. Yeah. Who's my number one, Matt? Oh, <laughs> is it going to be Throw Mama from the Train? Ooh, yeah, good 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 guess. Get Carter. Ugh, I like the Michael uh, Michael King Get Carter. I yeah. can't believe they remade that movie. I know. I got to go John Rambo. Yeah. In particular. The bombastic John Rambo of parts two and three is interesting to me and of an 80s action hero. And my dad and I went to go see Rambo number four in the theater. Uh, the year, I think that came out the year after Rocky Balboa. And the Rambo four might be the most violent film I think I've ever seen in my entire life. It's just so graphic in its violence in an interesting sort of way. And he's good in that too, but it's it's mainly John Rambo from First Blood, the first one, being that he's playing this mostly silent, uh, monotone person, and he kind of snaps, and it's just because of the way he's been kind of treated by this police force. Brian Denny, he's so good in that movie too, but for Stallone to be able to juggle and bring yet another kind of, and it's the name too, John Rambo, like mm-hmm. Rocky Balboa, like those names like stick like Lou, mm-hmm. and... What he puts his body through, and again, I talked on last week in in the the, the kind of confessional scene to Colonel Troutman, Richard Crenna at the end. It's he's so good in that. Um, I really love First Blood. It's one of my favorite actionish movies from the 1980s, and it's it's because Stallone's so good in it. And he brings another character to life, and then got so shredded for part two. Oh no, joke! <laughs> his career has been defined by what he puts his body through in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the Rocky breakdown in that is a perfect example. Doughy guy in one to what he becomes in three and four. And then what that looks like in five, too. And that's been Stallone. The Body Electric, I think I still have the Rolling Stone issue where he's called that on the cover. And I think it was the Demolition Man issue. But he uh, has certainly put a lot of time and effort into that piece sure, of his of craft. Sure, of course. Yeah, he looked even better in the film we're going to talk about today. No kidding. Uh, and I, in my research, Rambo First Blood Part Two, stupid title. James Cameron wrote that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think we talked about this. When James Cameron wrote The Terminator, Rambo First Blood Part Two, and Aliens all at the same time. My God, that's hard to do. Yeah. That's really, I mean, I, that that's... And those are solid stories. There was like dead time in the middle of, of Terminator, so he just started churning out those other ideas. Wow. Rumored what how he did it was he had like um almost kind of like a lazy Susan or some sorts, and he would just kind of flip back and forth between the two, which that's kind of hard to ju- jumble back and forth between ideas, but hey, all the power to you. But Ramble First Blood Part 2, 1985, came out the same year as this movie. Wow. Busy. 82 was the first Rambo and Rocky 3, and then Rambo 2, and then Rocky 4. Man, it's knockout years for him. He's probably the biggest star of both those years. Yeah, no question. No question about it. All right, I love your choices. Yours too. I want to go rewatch Victory 2. <laughs> Maybe someday in a sports movie cast there, or something. There you go. Excellent. So let's get to our happy hour time and our review breakdown of Rocky 4. Drago averages 
1,850 pounds. So the result's quite obvious. And what results are those? Whatever he hits, he destroys. 1,800 1800 pounds of force. Oh, my God. He, like, caved your face in. God, yeah. I love that still shot of him punching that thing. And it's like, man, like look at his forearm. It's just like all the, all veiny and everything. Mm-hmm. Let's start at the beginning. Rocky four starts out with those silver gloves. One of the United States flag and one of the, uh, the Russian flag just like exploding. And then we get our nice little recap of part three. And then the, the recap of the rematch between him and Creed and then we're in new territory. So we've already established in the last few episodes that you're guaranteed to to get a little recap on oh, what happened at the end of the last one. Just, I like and I like that. Sure, why not? It's a great way to introduce people to the films that maybe came before, and it's the nomenclature of the film. And this movie is very aware of that. This I w- franchise. I wonder if Stallone did that just because you know home video wasn't as prevalent as it is today, and like the only chance, like if you hadn't seen it since the last release i mean we're talking 79 to 82 and 82 to 85 there's three years there um to kind of catch you up because you hadn't seen it since then maybe on nbc one night yeah maybe you're probably right yeah that that, that, that's interesting because friday the 13th does kind of the same thing around this same period Mm -hmm. too like getting you caught up in case you're getting in late or if you haven't seen it in a while yeah, but, we're not going to really hit the era of big blockbuster kind of video rentals till about 1985. Mm-hmm. So this movie doesn't have that to fall back on. If you're not seeing it in some other theater form or, like you said, network television, maybe HBO, maybe HBO, mm-hmm. you're kind of out of luck. So it's not a bad idea to remind everybody just what had happened in the prior film. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I like that. So then we catch up with Rocky as he goes home after his, his little rematch with Apollo. It is Polly's birthday. And we joked about this in part one, I believe. And Polly really wants a sports car. <laughs> and he doesn't get a sports car. Instead, he gets this robot. Brings him a cake. <laughs> what is that? It's your birthday present, Uncle Polly. And we joked in part one that he's so such a cantankerous character. And you may said it. You're like, man, maybe a robot's the only person that he could be with. Like... He's not even thankful. No, he's not. He's like, does it have four wheels? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, it's a walking trash can. <laughs> and, and you could tell, like Adrian says, you can tell she's a little bit upset that he's so ungracious about everything. But Rocky's like trying to talk him into it. And that's been kind of the whole film mm-hmm. is Rocky sort of trying to quell the storm of Polly no matter where it is. Yeah. Um, Yes, but it's I, a cool robot. It is a cool robot. And uh, and then later, he kind of comes into his own, and it brings him a beer or a six-pack, and he's like, she's good to me. With a new voice. he get, It has like a guy's voice, and he changes it to this mm-hmm. nice-sounded woman's voice. Yeah. It's so poly. This film is just peak 80s. It's, you're in the smack dab in the middle of the 1980s, so you got this robot. You got the, the soundtrack. Uh, the fashion It's just like, man, if you want a time capsule into what that decade was like, pop on Rocky Four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All, everything about it. Yep. Uh, but this was interesting. I found this out, and we were just kind of chatting a little bit off mic about this robot. And it, it seems like a weird inclusion into the movie, um, but there is a whole machine element, especially in the way the Russian trains. It's very machine like. He's almost like a robot. Good point. Yeah. Um, and it's, he's very studied by scientists. So there's this whole machinist element to that. But there's, you're just, you're just going to love Sylvester Stallone even more after this. Okay. 
So this robot was written into the movie because in his personal life, um, Sylvester Stallone, not Sage Stallone, but um, his other son actually has autism. And they had used a robot type of technology to help with his son's autism to get him to engage and communicate more effectively. And I guess it was so successful in his personal life, he wanted to kind of just add this little niche in there as an homage to his son for awesome. th- with Polly. And it's I totally buy into that because I was, I was saying um, we actually have, when I work with people with disabilities, and we actually have a robot in my office specifically for that function because the robot's it's unisex it's not it's neither masculine nor feminine it doesn't raise its voice it's very neutral and even kneel uh type of emotion Mm. and children with autism really gravitate towards that they engage with it they want to ask it questions and it's it's not something that's going to get mad at them for doing the wrong thing so i find that fascinating and for something when you see the scene in the film you're like happy birthday polly you're like oh my God, like the franchise has gone there. And now when I think about it, I'm like, what a nice touch to his to his son. He's actually going to get to have his other son in the next film. But for this, like he was able to kind of add that cherry on top for that. That's I love that. That's beautiful. That is. And with what you just said, the way you all use that in your job, mm-hmm. you could make the case in a different way, but sort of similar fashion that that robot does the same thing for Polly. Sure. It probably needs a lot of even keel in his life because he tends to run a little hot and cold and he's not friendly. Mm-hmm. He's not like your best buddy. You don't want to hang out with him because he's going to get drunk and he's just a mess. So if that thing smooths him out, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Like it, it is a bit strange in this sports film to have this robot show up just without the backstory you gave. Mm-hmm. But at the time, and what Rocky has become, because he's this larger-than-life icon that is, I think, very comfortable mm-hmm. in where life has left him at the end of three. Sure. I think a little, or I should say a little, a lot of excess kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with Rocky. And you know what else it does, Jesse? <laughs> excess is a good word. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up. <laughs> right. No kidding. I think it builds up his fall a little bit later on, too. That's good. And then there's a scene with Polly later that I had totally forgot about before the fight with the Russian that really kind of brings this whole thing kind of full circle for him. This is a good film for Burt Young. He's really good in it. He sure is. Because he's actually one of two guys in his corner at the end. Right. They're all gone now. <laughs> Hit the one in the middle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, right. Hit the one in the middle. So let's get to the crux of this film. So... In the Soviet Union, uh, there's this emerging boxing Olympic talent that wants to come stateside to challenge Rocky Balboa to, he wants to fight face the ultimate champion. And we're talking Dolph Lundgren, 6'5", 6'6", maybe? All of that. Beast of a man. Huge man. Yeah. Stallone's in great shape, and Adolf's also in equally great shape, mm-hmm. and he wants to come. And But we see this from the perspective of, of Apollo Creed in, like, his retirement pool, and he's really shaken to the core about this. And it really made me think, Matt, when he goes to Rocky saying, hey, I want I want a shot. I think I could take this guy. He's clo- big and clumsy, but he's like, but he's slow. I can take him. And then the whole speech that he gives him, Rocky isn't kind of on board. He says, look, there's Apollo. There's no doubt about it. You're a great fighter, but that's not us anymore. They're watching Super Fight 2. 
So he doesn't get it. And Paul's like, man, you don't get it because you're on top. You don't understand. I still have this thing inside of me that I have to quell. That's going to come back in film six because Rocky has the same type of like emergence. He's, he has some unfinished business that he has to get off his chest. And he doesn't see it in part four, but sees it in part six. And I, I love that. I had never picked up on that before either. Right. And the other thing, too, that I love about this is from the villain in one and two to not only your best friend, but comrade in a sense at arms, but then confidant. Mm -hmm. Nobody understands Apollo the way Rocky does and vice versa. And I love that as they're watching the fight together, Apollo's just using that to sort of prove to himself Mm -hmm. and to Rocky that he's still got it. And that goes to the core tenant in Creed, not the film now, but Apollo Creed. Mm -hmm. And that's his sense of, of vanity. He is a vain character. Now he tones it down in three and four a lot to not be as off-putting as it is in one and two, which makes him the villain, but it's still there. We didn't take what worked with Creed in the first two films and destroy it and make him something else. Creed is the same guy in one through four. Mm -hmm. And if he's on your side, it's very redeeming Mm -hmm. and gregarious and charming because he's got a way of sort of delivering that lines with that charming smile and he's flashy and kind of lovable when he's on your side, the other way around, he's a dick. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how that narrative is going to change except in the hands of the new villain who finds this as off putting as anyone has. And boy, he unleashes hell, doesn't he? Let's get to that press conference. Let's do it. Dream. Uh, How do you mean? In our country, Apollo Creed is well-known and very respected. It could be a good victory. Whoa. Whoa. Wait, wait, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. When? You don't really think you're going to whip me, do you? Well, I didn't come here to lose. Well, you hold on, little lady. You hold on. Because lose and lose royally, he's going to do. How can you be so sure? Well, I've been with the best, and I beat the best. I've retired more men than Social Security. (laughs) Excuse me. You are not very realistic, are you, Mr. Creed? Where did you come from? What are you talking about? You can box, yes, but you are far too old to think that you can win over Draco. Is that a fact? Yes, and it could be a painful one. You put that heavy bag with eyeballs in the ring with me, and you're going to see the meaning of pain. Why do you insult us? Now, you just hold on here. Don't make me out to be the bad guy. I came here to talk about a friendly exhibition bout till Comrade Big Mouth started. Right. It's you who are the aggressor. Mr. This is obvious. I, don't I wish this, to say to the press, in all fairness, Drago should not even fight this man. Oh, because he is a has-been. Oh, you get that big chump in the ring right Mr. now. Carl. You don't think that rubbed him the wrong way? This man's just a has-been? Like, oh, yeah. It like, gives him more incentive to want to get in there. It's so strange that... The best fighter in the series mm-hmm. is Creed. Mm-hmm. I think Rocky or Stallone would admit that. It's been widely discussed. Everyone knows it. He's modeled after Muhammad Ali. That press conference is like mm-hmm. every press conference Muhammad Ali gave <laughs> with, yeah. I'm so fast, I turn the light switch off and be in the bed before it goes dark and all that whole stuff. You mm-hmm. know, like that beautiful like rap that he would lay out on his, his opponents. He just doesn't have anything else. Not his relationship with Rocky. Like Rocky seems to be content and happy with robots and Adrian and his family and a legacy that once was and is no longer because he's too old to uphold it. Creed can't get there. No. 
And as much as this movie is titled Rocky Four, mm. I'm going to argue that the first half should be Creed Two, <laughs> Creed Two, or Creed One, I guess. Sure. Because I do think the first half of this movie is Apollo's film, and Rocky mm-hmm. stops just short of pleading with Creed. And like you mentioned, it he says like those guys on the the TV that you're watching. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not us anymore. Yeah. You know, time Father Time's undefeated. And we're in the twelfth round with him, and it's going to the scorecards. Yep, yep. Let's get out now, and we can maybe get a split decision and having this man knock us the hell out. Creed just can't get there. Yeah, and he can't get there because everything that defines his character for four films has been based on not only am I the best fighter, but now I resurrected the second best fighter, mm-hmm. which makes me the best trainer, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to be the best beacon of this sport to take on our best enemy, which would be Mother Russia. Yeah just got to be the best yeah. and it's it's and it's, it, it's a curse oh yeah and his showmanship ability oh my gosh okay okay so let's get to the fight um so you know drago just kind of rises out of the the boxing ring and oh my god like creed comes out to this like james brown james brown parade dancers oh. vegas showgirls and then because they call him the iron bull uh, uh ivan drago great nickname so he comes down riding an iron bull, like spewing like flame. And he's wearing the outfit from part one. Mm-hmm. Uncle Sam uh, all glittered out. Yep. Really getting people into it. Man, everyone's loving it. And it's just when I was watching it yesterday, especially, I was like, oh, my God. Like, especially because I know what happened. It's just like this could not be more over the top to just like spell your doom. Like you're just like pissing off your antagonist that much more like how would you feel like if you're like football basketball baseball someone's just showboating that much in front of you yeah that guy's running his mouth and i'm gonna shut it for him and he's just the silent like statue very robotic like maybe there is a reason why the robot's in there he's almost just so monotone in in his delivery and he just kind of takes it all in frankenstein's monster of sorts Mm -hmm. exactly well said and uh he's just taking it all in and and a bit at the beginning, shocked at the opulence and grandeur that he's witnessing. Because if he's from Russia, oh, that's bleak. His life has been cold mm-hmm. and in the gym. Yep, with weights and steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we get to bombastic is conservative compared to what this is. Mm-hmm. Like you said, fireworks, James Brown, dancing girls, the Uncle Sam outfit that's even more gregarious than it was in Rocky One. Yeah, it's it's been done up a little bit. And the other thing too. I didn't time it, but I bet mm-hmm. that sequence of him entering the ring, he, him being Apollo, yeah. it's got to be six minutes. Yeah, it's really long. And it's done on purpose because obviously they paid a lot of money to build that up on set and show it. Mm-hmm. But it's also driving home a point. Like Apollo is so lost in the mantra or the affect of Apollo that he, and this was kind of his problem in the first Rocky too, if you think about it. Yeah, underestimating your opponent. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it hasn't quite gone away, and that demon's going to show up, and by God, I love oh. you, Apollo, but it's going to really come home this time. All right, let's get to round one, and it's just like, it, you're, when you're watching, you're like, hmm, maybe he has a shot against you. Like, the Russian's not really punching back, and, you know, Creed's very limber, and he's kind of rolling him around the ring. I don't know what the Russian guy, his coaches say, was like, oh, shoot. He slams his fist and he goes, it's like he like unleashes the beast. Exactly. And oh my God, man, I've, I've seen Rocky four a lot, like many, many times, probably more than any entry in this entire franchise. 
It, there was this sequence was hard to watch last night. I was really feeling it. Maybe it's because we watched all of these in a row so soon, so concurrently, and I grew so attached to the characters that I was like, "Oh my god, he's ta- he takes such a beating in that first round." And you're like, "Jesus, stop the fight now!" While well, you're, you're still alive, exactly. Oh, but he makes a pact with Rocky, which mm-hmm. is. Don't you dare stop this fight. And Rocky knows that that might be a fate worse than Apollo's death because if he strips him of that... He's going to lose his friendship, his trust. And yes, and Apollo can't stomach that. If Apollo's going to go down, he's got to go down the big way that he came up. And throwing in the towel is, in Apollo's eyes, you know, a soft way out. And he, I think that would be so emasculating in Apollo's way that it might be a fate worse than what he is given. Mm -hmm. At least he dies in his friend's arm in a rather patriotic shot with the red, white, and blue. And I'm going to talk about that sequence too for just a minute, the the color scheme in that. Mm -hmm. But if that towel hits the ground, not only does Rocky betray that confidence that Creed has given him, but then he tells Creed that he knows he's not what he used to be and Mm -hmm. Creed won't be able to handle that. Yeah. You know, can I say something? Go ahead. We talked a lot about, all right, well, we both did like how Rocky made me want to be a better man. Sure. What Rocky four taught me was how to forgive. Mm-hmm. And that's a, an infinitely important skill for everybody in life. Creed is such a dick to Rocky in the first two films. Mm-hmm. By the end of that, what Rocky has done and what Creed have done is they've managed to traverse this wide chasm of whatever the past was recognizing that this person can be my friend and be flawed because I am too. And that's not what defines it. Like this, this for Rocky to be so forgiving to what Creed did. Trust me, Creed resurrects him in three, so it's not like there's not some on the other side too. Mm-hmm. It's a such a a nice relationship that the two of them have from where it started. It it makes me think from time to time: Am I really that upset at that person? <laughs> not what would Rocky or Creed do, but mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. It's not far from that in my head. Yeah, if you can get over that. And the shit that he talked to you and trashed and disrespected and danced around you, uh, it's 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 meant a lot to me and the relationships oh, that yeah. I've had in life. Yeah. Oh, definitely. What started out as a joke has turned out to be a Creed appears to be in very serious condition. The men are dying. If he dies, he dies. Death stares. Can you imagine if you saw that in like a pay-per-view boxing event where this guy just literally kills the other guy in the ring? Like this would be horrifically scarring for anybody to oh, see. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, this is, this is a really troubling scene and it's just like, yeah, he's just, he's just there and it's, it's over. It's over for Creed. It's his, his mouth, his attitudes, his beliefs, his abilities, his everything he just put out on the line and he paid dearly for it. And got to say goodbye to another character, Mickey in the last one and Apollo in this one. I'm like, Jesus, I can't, I can't handle any more of this. It's obviously that boxing is a violent, violent sport. This is what you say? 84? Five eighty-five, so two and a half years earlier, Ray Boom Boom Mancini killed Kim Duck Koo 
not during the fight, but essentially right after the fight, this Korean fighter lost to Ray Boom Boom Mancini and mm. essentially had his spinal cord severed at the mm. base of his neck, and mm. then he died after the fight. That's in play, and I know that to this day, Mancini has some very strong, almost regret-like feelings about what happened in that fight. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I think that it's brave of the film to go there, not only because they kill what's been a staple in the franchise, but to do it fresh on the heels of, I mean, this was big ABC television, middle yeah. of the day, Sunday, sure. gone by Sunday night sort of story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to say goodbye to your characters. And I think this movie and this franchise succeeds because they're let you know that not everyone's going to make it. Sure. If Mick can go, and by the time we're done, boy, they're all gone, aren't they? <laughs> Almost all of them are. Well, yeah, literally Creed two. They're all gone. They're all everyone's gone. Um, and I think that just changes the stakes in the fight that he's going to have to take with Drago. If Drago kills Creed, mm-hmm. it's a possibility. That this could happen. You know, I think way back to like the 30s, Max Bear killed a guy too. That's the guy that um, is the antagonist in Cinderella Man, mm-hmm. that, um, Russell Crowe film. So it has happened, but... Well, just think of the stakes that these films keep taking on. I mean, right. we've taken like, okay, I just want to go the distance. Okay, I got to beat the guy. I'm going to get beaten in the ring, lose the title. And then we're going to like, now we're facing an opponent that has the power to kill. <laughs> like, like we keep upping the ante on the villain. But one of the things we haven't spoken much about is um, Weather's ability to portray Creed. Mm-hmm. My God, face down with those little spastic. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, Jesus, that's, Jesse. That's my oh, my God moment. <gasps> like that season out on the boxing mat. Yeah. Oh, my. That's, face that's, that's down. a young kid. That's very troubling. You're damn right. And then go to Rocky holding him, and he's got that white sweatshirt with Boss the bot in red over it, literally holding him in red, white, and blue. Yeah. That that image yes. is so loaded. Yeah. Today in 1985, across the board, that image is monumental in film. Now, most people are going to wash it away because, oh, that's Rocky Four. But if you just snapshot that moment, yeah. my God. Mm-hmm, that's brutal. And just, I know Hugo Boss was a brand that was mm-hmm. popular back then, mm-hmm. but that Rocky's wearing that shirt yeah. with that message as he's holding his friend who's in the American flag juxtaposed against, fuck dude, we are in some really interesting space on this. As you keep saying, are we sure this is a sports movie? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, interesting enough that this is actually the shortest one so far. This is an hour and 31 minutes. Yeah. Quick, man, this movie's fast because so- immediately after Apollo's funeral, rematch time i'm gonna fight this guy on his terms i'm not gonna give into how creed did it it's gonna be in russia christmas day uh no there's no i'm not fighting for money and like paulie's like are you nuts (laughs) like he's playing it all on the line because now the film has shifted to rocky's perspective on what just happened and his reaction to it and it's not about winning money or about, you know, where it's taking place or it's not about ideals and, and countries versus countries, which it'll kind of be about that at the end. Yeah. It's about proving like, man, you killed my friend. Now I got to prove that you, you, that like, it's almost like he's out for revenge is what it kind of seems like. Yeah. And I got a great example of that uh, coming up later in the fight. We've never seen Rocky do this before. He's got something to prove. And man, everyone doesn't is like, you're crazy can't go with what you are. Have you read the papers? Do you know what everybody says? It's suicide. 
You've seen him. You know how strong he is. You can't win! Adrian. Adrian always tells the truth. No, maybe I can't win. Maybe the only thing I can do is just take everything he's got. But the baby, he's gonna have to kill me. And to kill me, he's gonna have to have the heart to stand in front of me. And to do that, he's gotta be willing to die himself. What's he doing when he's going in? He's like, I don't care if he kills me. He's like, he's like, I'm not gonna let him do that. Because if we let him win, it's all over. If you take this anti-pep talk that Adrian gives him compared to the pep talk she does give him at the ocean in three, mm-hmm. she's done with this too, Jesse. Oh, yeah. She's scared. Well, the reason she did it in three was like, do this so we can be done with it. Don't she, go back in there again, especially against that guy. Exactly. Yeah. She, admit, she admits that she's scared too mm-hmm. in that sequence that we w- talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Boy, it's heightened and now because she's just watched... A man that I think she also knows is equally as tough as her husband, her Rocky is, yep. dead. Yep. And there's so much more on the table now. They have this nice life. They have this family. Mm-hmm. He has all the money in the world. It's clearly evident by there's a robot serving cake in his house. Mm-hmm. And he, Rocky, is going to go back to the same character trait that we've seen throughout all of these films, whether it's what he did for Gazo or what he was fighting for early on against Spider Rico for 28 cents or whatever the hell yeah. he walked after the locker fees and mm-hmm. cut man. Mm-hmm. It's not about money for Rocky. It's nice, but it's about the way I define myself as human is through my actions in the ring. And you just took the second or third, I don't know, Mickey, Adrian, Paul, Apollo's in there. You took one of the most important people away from me mm-hmm. and man, Jack, you're going to pay now. Yeah even if that means I have to sacrifice everything to get there. And I don't know how, I, I kind of sympathize with Adrian in the scene. How does she square that? Oh, she says, well, I'm not going. She's, she's not going to go. She doesn't want to be a part of it. Yeah. So he storms out. And in my opinion, we get the best montage mm-hmm. of the series thus far. It's almost a music video to no easy way out. And it's almost like the greatest hits of everything we've seen thus far. Is it sung by Frank Stallone? No, it's not. It's uh, Robert. Uh, oh, my God. I, I, I'll i look it up. I'm surprised it isn't Frank Stallone. Yeah. But you see the highs, the lows, the defeats, the heartbreak. And it's just like a recollection of him just, just driving and just really kind of pontificating his life thus far and what this means to him and how he has to go through with it. But I think what that montage shows is this is everything that's on the line now. And that montage... They don't show the speedometer on the car, do they? Uh Uh-uh. Let me ask you a question. Is he going 35 or is he going 95 as he's driving thinking about this? I think he's going fast. Yeah. I think that montage is him trying to outrace these demons that are now chasing him, which is the loss and the love and everything that's gone into what Rocky is. And he knows there's just no outrunning it. That chasing or running away from these demons montage is really well done. And it's also a nice way to say goodbye again, I think in a very profound way to a couple key components in the franchise, right? Yeah. Mickey, Apollo. Yeah. uh, The beginnings of love, the where it's at right now. 
winning fights, losing fights. I like the juxtaposition they show of Creed falling, his death fall, and Rocky falling in part three, the the death blow from Clubber Lang. Mm -hmm. Really kind of seeing that, yeah, everybody goes through this, and it's just a matter of how you pick yourself back up and respond to it. And I think Rocky's response is valid. I mean, he's got a lot to prove. And then once we get to Russia with some more songs by Survivor. It's the burning heart. <laughs> it's about to burst. Yeah. There's a quest for answers. <laughs> Duke, Apollo's trainer, is now still with Rocky. And he says, look, he's like, when Apollo died, he's like, he's like I practically raised that, that kid. He was the son that I never had. When we go out there, we're going out there. And we're going out there for him. No pressure, Rock. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Jesus. But like uh, he's got a lot of stake in that in in that too, like and then and then we've seen the power of what the Russian can do, and at this point you're just like, man, I don't even. How does he stand a chance? He's got a. And then okay, this then this is why I love this portion of the movie. We get not one but two training montages to go to go with this, and Rocky's gone full Wolverine Mountain Man, mm -hmm. and you almost have to strip. We remember when um. Mick said in the last film, you've become civilized. Yeah. Got to strip that down. No robots, no machinery. We're going to use this shed. We're going to do it the old-fashioned way. And then we see how the Russian trains, which is very machine-like mm -hmm. uh, with machines and Dials scientists and, everything and, sy measured. and syringes. Mm -hmm. And he's very much a created product in this lab, this facility, this racing track. And then we see Rocky out in the wilderness, and like I love that. Like I like seeing that both side by side. He's chopping a tree down as the Russians chopping sparring opponents down. Like that's great to see side by side. I think that was the only way he could beat the if he trained the same way, if he trained the way he did in Rocky Three, <laughs> he would get killed too. Killed. There'd be two funerals in this movie, right? <laughs> so yeah, you had to you have to strip down and get down to to basics. You have to become almost beast like to be a man like this. I love the one you just mentioned one of them, but I also love the one where Drago's on that sled and he's kind of, yes, it's ah. almost like he's coming out of a three point stance for mm -hmm. football. Mm -hmm. And then we go and we see Rocky doing the same thing in nature. And like, Paul is sitting on the sled, the same movements. Um, I think Drago's doing a shoulder press routine and Rocky's lifting up the cart. Adrian's finally come back into the fold and she's there because she has to be there. They're doing like I love that they are creative enough to do the same things, one in the lab and one through the lab. Mm -hmm. Through the lab being Drago, in the lab being wilderness with Rocky. There's it's so it's so 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 smart. And that training montage mm -hmm. is such a staple in the franchise now, right? Oh yeah. We're waiting for it. Mm -hmm. I have to ask you though. Okay. Does it trouble you? That there's no gonna fly now by Conti in this because mm. well, that bugs me. Well, there's no Bill Conti. It's actually Vince DiCola did the score for for this film. I don't know if it bugs me because I also like that other song. Um, Hard song. You do like that. I do like that because it's it's almost it's very joke. It's, it's already been a very depressing movie so far. Sure. So it brings some light and level levity. I I do miss it, but I like what's in its place. It's serviceable. Okay. It gonna fly now is obviously better. Yeah. But. The flipping back and forth of what they're doing, and like I like the the other the one I like is the deadlift that mm -hmm. uh, the Russian does, mm -hmm. and Rocky's literally lifting up this like cart with all three of them in it and trying to Stallone doing things that like no physical human like I can like do. I would never be able to do that no matter how hard I work out. Um, it's incredible. It's it, it's it's really interesting. Like I, I said, it he has to become 
something otherworldly to stay in the ring with this guy. He knows it too. And then the the, the final the final part of that. I'm going to climb a mountain. <laughs> Scream your name at the top. Yeah. It's awesome. You're not as big of a family guy fan as, as I am, but there's, there's an episode where the dog, Brian, it has, he wants to, he's in college and he's wants to pass this exam to prove something to the teacher. Okay. So instead of studying, what they do is literally a shot for shot redo of that training montage. And he climbs up a mountain and he screams, Draco. And then like the little baby Stewie comes up. He's like, Hey, you gonna study for the exam? All we done is work out for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Same song, same everything. It's it's, great. it's it's great. So let's get to the main event. And in Russia, the Russian premier is there, looking a lot like Gorbachev. It, it's got to be him. Like, <laughs> right. Right. Looks the spitting image of him. Yep. In front of the Russian crowd, KGB, the the works, and. Come back to this moment here at the beginning when we we're talking about like you know Polly kind of coming into his own. I totally forgot about this sequence here. Polly kind of pulls Rocky off to the side. He's like, you know, Rocky's like, I know I'm a pain in the ass and this and that, but um, if I ever want, if I could ever be uh, as good of a man, I'd want to be be just like you. Like that's big for him. Like we haven't seen even the inkling of that. the shred of even in Rocky Three when he smashes the pinball machine, he gets him out of jail and he's like, yeah, I'll get you a job, and that's kind of it. Here he's like, he's like, I've seen what you've gone through, and he's like, he's like, you're a good person, Rock, and I would really want to be like you. I love that bit too, and I always take from that. It's almost like I may not get a chance to ever tell him this again, so I better do it now. Yeah, I don't know what this film's capable of doing at this point, and I don't think Polly has a lot of faith in how this is. I mean, we all just watched what happened to Apollo. Mm -hmm. Drago didn't get smaller, and now he's at home, got the whole crowd against you. The Russian premiere there. So if it doesn't go well, you're probably off to Siberia as soon as the fight finishes. Mm-hmm. Saying goodbye in a way. There's a lot at stake in this fight. We don't get the Reagan component where it's like, yeah, there's a lot. Like if you lose, like what does that say about like this Cold War conflict at this time? Right. There's a lot at stake in this fight and not just proving and getting revenge for the death of your friend and proving that you can beat this guy. There's a lot of like it's country versus country at this point. Yeah. Wearing literally Russian flag colored shorts, and he's wearing Apollo's red, white, and blue American flag shorts again. Uh, so let's kind of get to the beginning of this fight. Yeah, the, the, Dolph Lundgren has so many good lines in this thing. The Russian towers above the American. It's a true case of David and Goliath here. It's unbelievable the, the, the condition of both men, but the Russian I must break you. Oh, Ima! Wait! I'd be like, can I get out of here now? Like, I don't know if I want to fight this guy. <laughs> How many different languages could he could he deliver that one liner in? <laughs> yeah, five, like, right? One of five. Doesn't he speak five in real life? Oh man, the guy's a like borderline genius. Yep. And this was so I did a little kind of just a little research on like this was his first major film role. He has an uncredited like extra role in A View to a Kill, mm. uh, the Bond film. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that and see if I pick him out. But like that was the the year before. 
You're not really going to go back and watch a View to a Kill to try to find Lundgren, are you? I yeah. know you hate that film. I know, but I'm 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 a I'm a Bond loyalist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but this was his first mate, much like Mr. T. Yeah, we didn't get an introducing Dolph Lundgren, but this is kind of like his first foray into Amer for American audiences. Well, and look, whether it's Creed or Lang or Drago, this franchise is blessed with fantastic villains. Mm -hmm that each look and through that look represent an entirely different motivation. He just, he being Drago, mm -hmm. just looks cold and superior and bigger than Rocky is. And Rocky's always been the underdog, and my goodness, by physical, and like you said, Stallone's in fantastic shape. Dolph Lundgren's got to be 60 pounds heavier. Well, let me just mention a little thing. So, like, you know, Stallone, man, he's committed to his craft, writing, directing, and acting in the thing. He really wanted to commit to the, realis the realism of the, the boxing matches. And in one of the take or the sparring kind of practice sessions, like, Lundgren hit him so hard in the chest, he caused, like, his, like, internal cavity in his heart to, like, bounce back and forth against his breastplate. Oh, my goodness. And then, like, later that night, Stallone went to his hotel. He's like, Jesus, like, I, like, have, like, chest pains. Like, I do not feel good. So he went to the hospital. They immediately put him in ICU, and his heart was swelling. Oh, my god! He'd been hit so hard in the chest by this guy that his, like, heart was, like, expanding. And he just, like, he spent eight days in the ICU, pause filming, because I almost died from getting hit by this man. And he always said, you can look it up in interviews, he thought that, like, Lundgren was in such fantastic shape and such an athlete. He thought he could actually box at the heavyweight level, like with his thighs and his athleticism. Watching the film, you're like, yeah, I can see that. He'd probably do pretty good. He certainly looks the part. Mm -hmm. Big reach, smart enough to understand what's going on in the ring. Um, <laughs> why the hell not? Mm-hmm. Those punches that he throws, like I think they're a bit telegraphed, so the professionals could probably duck or, or take the impact. But boy, if one of them hits yeah, you... Yeah, if you take one or two, it might, it might be enough. <laughs> good night. So the fight starts. Stallone, uh, Rocky, has reverted back to his traditional fighting style of taking uh, punches, uh, blocking punches with his face. <laughs> yeah. And the fight's interesting. The, the, the Creed-Drago fight starts out with like him being very hesitant to strike and man, the Russian comes out immediately and just starts pummeling Rocky. And it just, it round one ends and you're like, man, this two rounds, maybe this is going the same trajectory as that. His face is already all busted up. And he's like, I see three of them out there. And Polly hit the one in the middle. It's good advice. Yeah. And Duke's like, yeah, hit the one in the middle. I love round two. And for what takes place here, another pummeling by Drago. And then, Rocky's able to kind of muster some type of counter defense and a swift left to the Russian's left eye. Mm -hmm. And we get that, like, I don't even know who says it. Is it the coach or just an announcer yeah, or a Barry, fan? I think it's Barry Tompkins. Okay. And the Russian's cut. He's cut. He's cut. Oh, the Russian's cut and it's a bad cut. Mm -hmm. So then Rocky just goes into attack mode, punches, 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 punches. And then something we have never seen in the series thus far, the bell dings end of round and he just keeps hitting him boom 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 to the point where the russian's like okay you're gonna hit me and then he grabs him by the neck face and jacks him <laughs> it's face shot yeah so then rocky picks him up and just tackles him to the ground like at this we are in a fight fight yeah at this point and that proves so much to me that it's it's more about like revenge for for what we've never mm -hmm. seen rocky fight like this before 
not even in three, like making Link say, come on, hit, hit my face. That's different than like going past the bell. Like that's something that the other fighters would do. Something Spider Rico would do. Well, you said it earlier. For Rocky to win this fight, he has to become otherworldly. And he's always offered his opponents respect. Now he may try to out-tough you and he may coax you into punching yourself out like he does in Lang. If he's otherworldly and the training in the cold mountains of nowhere Russia has reshaped him into heartless cold piece of iron, is what Dragon's gonna Drago's gonna call him here in a little while, then it makes sense that he's gonna wield that blade and it is a different Rocky. But he's fighting for a lot. He's certainly fighting to keep himself alive. There's no money on the line. This is about respect. And by God, he's going to get it there's one a, way or another. The, before the their little press conference where he says, we're going to go to Russia and fight, there's a quick little montage of like newspaper clips. And if you blink, you'll miss it. And I caught it this time that the World Boxing Federation has not, not sanctioned this fight. It's like an illegal fight. And they've actually blacklisted Balboa for two years. So he can't even fight any any when he gets back if he wanted to. We don't have a whole lot of rationale, or there's not a whole lot onto why that happens. Maybe it's just not physically fit. Mm-hmm. You have to pass a certain battery of tests before they'll let you in the ring so you don't die. And that also leads to why they're going to have this <laughs> underground, well-publicized battle of all nations that matter in Russia, because that's they can get sanctioned there at least. Sure. Which then also sets up this. Mm-hmm. Rocky has everything stacked against him. There's nothing for him to train on in Siberia except some yaks and some rocks and some snow, Mm -hmm. lifting and throwing and moving them. And now the boxing commission in Russia is certainly going to allow this fight because if he dies there, there's nobody coming to help him in the ring, Jesse. Creed couldn't get it in States. Mm -hmm. It's certainly not going to get it in Russia. Yep. One man against a nation. Yeah. All right, Rocky, let's see what you got. Again. My favorite fight sequence from the entire franchise. This is a great fight montage between the two of them. These guys give each other hell. You, you talk about the very end when it goes bing, bing, and it's like punch back and forth. Are you talking no, I'm about- talking about this one. Round three to oh. round 14. Oh, yeah. This like, and then you know what shot I love? I love Polly's hand on Duke's face going, ah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're so into it. Mm-hmm. And just trading blows back and forth like, I like those punches to the head where they're like, he gives one and then he gives one and they like kind of like freeze frame on it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, these guys are like fully, they, they not underestimating each other and they're giving it their, their all. This is a great fight. And uh, do, do you remember that sequence too, where they're both back in their corners and he's like mm-hmm, looking around the trainers at each other, Dude, get out of my way. And he's kind of doing the same. Like they want more of each other. Yeah. They both have something to prove. Yep. Uh, it's a great fight sequence. I like as a kid when I saw this because again it's so action driven. This this one in particular, mm-hmm. um, yeah. You just you just eat it up. Like it's it's a very well done montage. I mean, Stallone's done a few of these thus far. This is one of his better ones for for a fight sequence. I love the way the montage ends before we get to the final round, and it's as the score fades out, and it's the ding ding ding, which sounds like the bell finishing off the round. It's the trading of blows, and it's shot to Rocky. And then that image stays and dissolves into shot on Drago. And that image stays yes, and we dissolve yes, it. And yes. it's back and forth. I love that. That's so good. Because by the time it's done, it just looks like a mess of violence. And that's a great way to finish off this chapter of this film. Because that's what this fight has been. is absolutely 
battery on high for these men. Remember that shot where he takes the punch in the face and it blows his mouthpiece out? Yeah, where like <laughs> you see his jaw vibrating. <laughs> yes. It's like he actually got hit and it just popped out. And then he, you know, of course. And then he puts it back in and like stands around and then takes another hit as soon as he stands up. Mm-hmm. Like a beating, an absolute beating he takes. The both well, of them, really. And one of the things that Rocky has made a lot of money on in this boxing career of his in film is that very heavy under shovel hook body blow. Mm-hmm. He hits Drago with one of those in the first round, and it barely moves him. Now, by the end, he's a bit broken down, and it's having more effect. But there's that moment in the first round when Rocky just is getting his ass kicked, and he gets a couple shots in back on Drago, and they're underneath, and he catches him clean in the ribs. Mm-hmm. And what does Drago do? He picks his arms up, flexes his abs, and goes, have at it, buddy. And Rocky just unleashes hell on there, and it doesn't move him. Mm-hmm. If that's gone, yeah. and Rocky can't even, because he's significantly smaller, yep. get underneath at close range and dig at his body to chop him down. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What's he going to do, jump up and punch him? Superman punch him? Yeah. He, <laughs> he's such an imposing force. But it goes 15 rounds. Let's get to that last round. All right, let's do it. I fight for me. So two things have happened here kind of leading up to this. Uh, Gorbachev just gives a look to Michael Pataki and he he runs down and was like, he's like, he's like, they're cheering for him. They start cheering for Rocky during this fight. They're just you idiot. They're so taken by his under underdog mentality that they're like, Rocky. And then I think that this is the Frankenstein moment. This is like, I'm going to take creator, so good. choke him by my boxing glove. I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. And... This is like Bride of Frankenstein. This is like, I'm confronting the maker at this point. Well, okay, if you want to play that even further, and I love where you're going, mm-hmm. the hair on Brigitte Nielsen even is similar in a very unique way to the bride in Frankenstein. Sure. Right? I yeah. mean, that's the crowning moment is when she's revealed and she has that cone, right? We love how she looks. Yeah. Hers is not the cone, but it's equally striking. Mm-hmm. And she comes from a similar background, whereas Drago is this, Olympic champion. She's an Olympic swimmer. Mm-hmm. So we have the super couple together on screen and they kind of look like each other in a very cold Eastern European way, mm-hmm. but they're just so big. And you know what, Strip? Go back and watch mm-hmm. when Brigitte Nielsen walks out with Drago. That's and that's a big gal, like tall. Mm-hmm. She's big. Yeah, She's way bigger than Stallone. And so they were married at this time. Yes. Yep. For a little while. It's yeah. not going to last. But mostly because she's batshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I really wish we were doing Creed 2, but we're going to save that for the Creed cast because a lot of yes. them yes. plays into that and how this ends. <laughs> okay, so that's where I was going with this. Sure. Right? What this franchise has de- been so successful at doing is taking previous moments from the other films and showing significance in them later. Like, let's go to six for just a minute. Okay. Hang out with coconuts. You get coconut friends. What's that little girl's name? Mary Marie Marie. She shows up in six as a grown up. in this movie. 
what Drago's going through in the ring right now, where he says, I fight for me, is what's going to make him a semi-sympathetic character in Creed Two. Mm-hmm. This is a nation who trained him and built his body and used him as this machine mm-hmm. of Cold War politics. Yep. And then when he was no longer serviceable, just discarded him. Yep. From his wife to the economic systems to Mother Russia and all the oppression and tyranny that goes along with that, it's right now you're watching it happen. Mm-hmm. And in a, in four, which is not, I don't want to say it's a throwaway moment because it's sort of sad for Drago that everyone's turned on him. Yep. It has an impact later. Yeah. That's just, okay, so crazy? No, yeah. Really good writing. Yeah, it's good. And then it's, especially if you've seen these as many times as we have, when you see it come up in Creed 2, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe they're calling back to that. But like, it makes me feel all the emotions that they're calling back to those moments. The post-reaction, like, what would happen if, what happens to Drago after this fight? How is he depicted in his homeland? That's what Creed 2 does. It's, it's great. And your reference to Drago as monster is so clear in this when his flat top is now sweaty and kind of falling down and he's cut underneath both of his eyes. He looks like a freaking Frankenstein's monster or zombie does. I mean, Rocky's beat to shit. Drago just looks scary like that Mm -hmm. with that mouthpiece and that. So kids that vacuous bit in his mouth. He just looks terrifying. Yeah, that's good. It is Frankenstein's monster in the ring. Yeah. Created a created boxing machine. Rocky's just praying to God. He's not Fritz. (laughs) Um, round 15 Rocky's got to knock him out and it looks like the Russians just like he's punching back and forth and back and forth and finally Rocky decides to strike and just gets enough blows to knock this guy out and he doesn't get up in time because man how could either of these guys get up at this point he's crowned the victor and then you know usually these Rocky films end at this point they freeze frame to Boom, 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 and then it bump, bump, and they slow down. But not, not this film. This film's got more to say. Rocky's going to give this whole soliloquy on like how he's felt being the antagonist, the enemy coming into the homeland, and then see everyone turn on him. And then through the duration of the fight, see the tides turn. And he says, two guys killing each other in the ring. And I felt one way about you. And then. You felt one way about me, and halfway through that changed, and you felt a different way about me. Now, if you can change, and I can change, we all can change. And at the end of this movie, I'm wondering, Rocky created world peace. Right. (laughs) Exactly. The Cold War ended. Gorbachev gets up and applauds. (laughs) When Rocky says 20 million people, which is such a small number compared to what it would actually be. Sure, yeah, yeah. But don't need to die. We just went through it and let's just let this go. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse, I know you're kind of sort of presented that in a tongue in cheek kind of laughy way, but it has a gravity to it. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not done on accident. Sure. And it does end up playing. And if you think of Perestroika and Glasnost, two really important policies under Gorbachev's administration in Russia, which eventually undid him, but mm-hmm. were really important. Yeah. Him standing up and clapping is not too far from a prelude of the acceptance of some Western ideas that Gorbachev and Reagan's kind of hatched together. It's so strangely prophetic. Yeah. The fall of the Berlin Wall is one thing. This is something, too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Stallone's a genius. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> he is. This is a great way to end the movie. Yeah. In the, in, it, literally, in 1985, you're in the smack dab in the middle of this Cold War yeah. kind of resurgence where nations could literally just press a button and annihilate each other. Right. Mutually assured destruction. And here's this movie. is boxing, two nations fighting. And at the end, yeah, I'm going to beat the guy. But if we could all just kind of come together at the end, like we don't have to like be like this anymore. Yeah. Amen to him. Cheers to Stallone for having the balls to make this film. I have to say all of that uh, interglobal politics aside and, mm-hmm. you know, the cleansing of what war games left us all with the Matthew Broderick film. Mm-hmm. Let's play. Mm-hmm. What is it? Intergalactic, intercontinental. Let's play. Global thermal, global nuclear, thermal nuclear war. <laughs> God, the damn computer. Um, it finishes up in a way that that speech in that film is it, it suits the film. It's not too long. It's not too heady. It's get to it and get on with it. But that speech is appropriate the same way that same speech he gives to Krenna and Rambo is appropriate. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're similar. Mm-hmm. But they both work, and they both revolve sort of similarly around the same patriotic idea and what's happened to that and look at the harm it's sure. caused. Yep. The Rambo version is a little bit more revealing of the inner traits of the character which would be the Rambo story where this is a little bit more important for the necessity of peace between these two global powers. And they're both very reflective of those two stereotypes that they're portraying on film. Like they're right on. Well said. How do you do that in Rocky and Rambo? And it might be some of the most meaningful dialogue in a sports film ever. Yeah. I mean, give me De Niro and bang the drum slow, you know, bang the drum slowly or whatever. There's plenty of other ones. But man, we're literally addressing the Cold War in 35 seconds, and it exactly it's perfect. Yeah, let me say some stuff, and then we'll we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah. You're gonna hate this. I got something to say about it. Okay, winner of five Razzie Awards what? and nominated for another four. And all I can just say is, fuck you, Razzies. Exactly. Like, like, come on, like, get with it. Nominate Ishtar, Howard the mm-hmm. Duck, or any of that mm-hmm. other crap coming out around this this same time. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not that. Like, they must have had just different management and a voting committee at this time, and they just had it out for Stallone, and maybe that was it. Um, but this has no business being in that discussion. Right. Peter what, Cetera- what performance is bad, yeah, Jesse? No, it's not. It's it's, it's 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 a continuation of everything else. I mean, if you're trying to criticize, you know, Apollo dying there and both give bad performance, get out of here. Like exactly. Uh, yeah, you're right. I hate that. Yeah, I hate it too. Peter Cetera uh, wrote the song "Glory of Love" for the end credits of this movie, but against alone was like, yeah, I mean, we're gonna go with uh, we're gonna redo uh, "Hearts on Fire" again. Karate Kid just gets Rocky. Say, the Karate Kid. Karate Kid just gets seconds. gets yeah gets rock, Rocky sloppy seconds because that <laughs> song shows up in part two of Karate Kid. Right. I like that song. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Karate oh, Kid three is in production. We can't really do the soundtrack until Rocky six finishes shooting because we need some music. What aren't you guys going to use? Send it, it our way. Exactly. That's funny. Probably Rocky five was going to have some Dawkins song and he's like nah and like put that in Karate Kid part three. <laughs> Yeah. All right, let's talk cash. Let's talk money. $28 million budget. Oh, man. We're just shooting for the stratosphere. $300 million worldwide. Wow. Take that to the bank, Stallone. Yeah. Uh, Highest grossing film in the franchise, 
to this day. It's got to be close to the highest ROI of the year, too. Yes, and um, it was the biggest sports film money-wise until The Blind Side in, like, 2009. So Yeah, they take that. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, there you go. This is a, a film that people respond. It was a Thanksgiving release. This kind of feels like a Thanksgiving movie. Agreed. <laughs> uh, okay, let's. Uh, what's your favorite tasting note of Rocky Four? I mentioned it. It's the that montage ending punch, 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 freeze frame, dissolve. That's it. I just think it's masterfully done. The choreography and the scenes in this in the boxing ring are really tough. And we've talked about people ate leather all the time and Stallone's heart started to swell. And there's plenty of leather that was traded on accident. But at some point to get that done the way they did, they had to just come to terms with like, man, you're going to have to take one here a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it looks good because it really happened. And back to one more thing about that. That's how the whole Rocky and Apollo relationship began. Again, yeah, the casting room. Yep. Stallone telling Weathers, do you want the part or not? Like, can you punch? Bam, dropped him and we're off. It's <laughs> so germane yes. to what the film is. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to piggyback on yours. I'm just going to pick the whole fight sequence. Okay. I just, it's, we saw what he did to Creed and you're like, what's he going to do to Rocky? And it's, it's literally, it's a war. It's just like a back and forth, just kind of like battle between these, these two guys. If I could watch any one of these end fight sequences, I mean, we've grown so much from part one. We're showing so much and we're really getting in there. The editing's great. The music's intense. I love it. It's my favorite of the series. The entire Rocky franchise is my favorite fight sequence. Maybe because it is just sort of like this towering Russian and Rocky. It is moderately ridiculous, but it's just so much fun. It's a blast. Right. What's the... Oh, my God! Are we going to have the same one here? Oh, I mentioned it earlier. <laughs> yes, For it, me, it's Creed's death. Yeah, specifically Creed convulsing on the boxing mat. Yeah. That, that image, there's like maybe like a second and a half of it. That's too much for me. <laughs> I think what also helps to make that as hard to watch as it is, is prior to that round starting, he gets out and his wife is standing up and she's like looking at him like, please don't. And he kind of smiles and gives her the, oh the my fist. God, like, I'm good. I got this. Oh, just listen to her. I've seen this film a lot. Like I had a real hard time just sitting through that. And it's just, I never look forward to it. It's like Mickey's death gets me and that that's rough like there's just something about the violence and the brutality of the way he goes down creed it's just it's really hard to watch yeah it's a hard moment in this franchise who's the master distiller on rocky four you want to go first i don't know if i've made up my mind yet yeah i'll go first stallone's great again pulling triple duty uh you know carl weathers also really good I want to give it to to two people, actually. I want to give it to Dolph Lundgren just for being the physical presence that he is because we are afraid of him for a variety of reasons. His brutality, his physical force, and just his pure stature. He towers over Weathers and Stallone in this thing. And for not saying very much, I mean, everyone knows those lines, I must break you. If he dies, he dies. I mean, he's got such a, a presence. And I'm going to throw a little bit Burt Young's way, too. I mean, for him to kind of come where he started smashing and throwing the turkey out into the alleyway in Philadelphia to saying, Rocky, I'd, if I could be any man, I'd want to be you. And that's that's growth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to give it to the two of them. I think I'm going to go Carl Weathers. They were really lucky to cast that character 
and get him because if they missed on that, this would not have been what it was, obviously. But sure. what I mean by that is we wouldn't have had this fantastic relationship that we've watched develop over four films and then really two later mm-hmm. as well. Creed doesn't happen if it's not for sure. Carl Weathers killing the role of Apollo Creed. Yep. Almost so much so that when I want to say Carl Weathers, I almost just want to call him Apollo. I know. Even when it's in Predator, I'm like, oh, look, it's Apollo. It's No, that's Carl Weathers or Happy Gilmore. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Apollo's taking up golf. Exactly. He's just that character. And, you know, you think about great sidekicks. So we can go Midnight Cowboy. Mm-hmm. We can go Batman and Robin. Butch Cassidy. Sundance Kid. Rocky and Apollo. Yep, that's a good one. Are right in there. And so I, like how, I like how they start as villains and they've grown to this this point right now. Yeah. I don't want to say it's a good send off for him because no one wants to be send off with a brutal death in the ring. But like it is a nice kind of wrapping up of his character and the way the film wraps up. I think it it does him justice. It's revenge best served cold. <laughs> <laughs> right. Are you going to rate and grade Rocky Four? We have Rocket, Well Call, Single Barrel and Top Shelf. Can I go first this week? Yeah. Rocky three and Rocky four are just so similar in my books, but you know what? They're action movies to an extent with drama peppered throughout really good drama. I gave Rocky three single barrel minus last week. I'm going to give this one the same. Uh, If I could pick anyone, like it's really hard to go like, man, I'm going to go put on Rocky one right now. It's it's a long movie. It it takes you through the ringer. It's very depressing. Philadelphia looks depressing, but it's got a heart of gold. If I want just something exciting, I'm going to put on three or four. Mm -hmm. Like, like it's, it's got such a fevered pace, hour and 39 minutes, hour and 31 minutes with this one. They're just so much fun to watch. It's like the pinnacle of excitement with this franchise and it's it it has some of my I can't I cannot give it anything bigger than that just because it has my favorite montage and it has my favorite fight sequence in it like this movie has a lot of what I like of Rocky it was the first one I saw too so I got a little bit of bias there. Well, I'm not going to disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I think they are very similar, and for that same reason, I'm going to give it the same grade I gave last week, which I think was single barrel. Yeah. Um, there's a uniqueness to it, not that. You know, we're four boxing films in, so people might say, really, what's unique? I think what's unique about it is they keep finding new villains. And what the, it's not just the look of the villain. I've said this a hundred times, and mm-hmm. I really want to hammer it home. It's not just how they look. It's part of it. Yeah. And it's not just the conflict. The motivations of the conflict keep changing from film to film, too. Right. Going exactly. the distance. I'm going to beat him. I got to redeem myself. I want revenge. Right. Yeah. And that's one piece. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then the other is what each one of those villains' motivations are. Yeah, they got their own thing going on. Each one of those three guys, Creed, Lang, and Drago, are all doing what they're doing for entirely different purposes. And that's hard to do inside a 24 by 24 foot ring to build that. That's masterful design on creating differences in the bad guys that are essentially all going to do the same thing, which is box, but for different reasons. Yep. That is a fine art. And, you know, if I was going to ask you right now, of the three bad guys we've seen in the Rocky franchise, okay. who is your favorite or actually, I'm going to say that, who's your most hateable bad guy? Oh, man. Do you hate Drago more than Lang? I think so. Well, he kills Apollo in the right. ring. He kills a character I am near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Because I would agree with you. Yeah. I think to me, Lang is the scariest. Yes. 
And it's just mostly the face that Mr. T makes when he throws those punches. It's the mouth, too. He just doesn't... To have a villain who doesn't shut up to a villain who barely says maybe five lines of dialogue in a film. Right. That's good. Yeah. For those that haven't seen it, and we're going to get to it because it's in development right now, Creed Two is a phenomenal piece of filmmaking. Um, It's not only a sequel to Creed One; it's a quasi-remake of Rocky Three because the... Creed goes through the same arc that Rocky does in that one. And it's a sequel to Rocky four because of all the past they dig up in that film going up against the guy that, um, your father killed my dad and Rocky, that look Rocky gives him when he's in the ring with Drago. It's like, there's just so much unspoken there about what these two men like went through. And then Drago, you're right. He's sympathetic. Like he doesn't have a good life in that film. No. Forcing his son into this crazy life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Creed, Creed 2 is phenomenal. Yeah. That, that, that was, it's a good film. Creed 2 is phenomenal. Yeah. And you set it up. Mm-hmm. We just talked about Lang. There's lots of rumors around Creed 3, and they've both been in and out and talked about it. But the one thing that seems to be consistent <clears throat> is it's Deontay Wilder as Clever Lang's mm. son. Mm. And that's a great choice. About the only bigger presence in the ring would be Tyson Fury. Sure. But I can't see Tyson Fury taking on Michael B. Jordan. That just Tyson Fury. And he is a worth a watch just because of who he is and the, just how interesting that man is and the bad body, beautiful boxing skills that he has. That guy's crazy heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. Not going to play in a Rocky film though, but Deontay Wilder yeah. looks like Clubber Lang's son. I can't wait for that one. Let's hope that happens. I'll be there opening night. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan and Stallone have both been kind of lukewarm on the idea. Not if that's just a negotiating tactic. That movie has to happen. We have to finish. There's got to be at least one more in there. To at least finish off Rocky. Mm -hmm. Um, And for everything that Stallone has been and what that would be to him, he has to go out as Rocky. Right? I mean, Exactly, yeah. We have to have, and it's probably got to be his death at some point. I I don't know if I can handle that. (laughs) No, I'll be a mess. (laughs) Literally. I'll be a mess in the film, and then I'll be in restaurant in real life when that happens also. Like a mess. I'm not ready for a moment like that. I don't want to talk about that, because that's really grim shit for me. (laughs) But um, there has to be a conclusion. Sure, yeah, there's there's more to be told. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to Rocky IV. Let's wrap this thing up with a nightcap. so much how could you just play that at the gym and you'll just like you'll, you'll do as many sets as you ever done in your entire life if you put that on your john carpenter soundtrack could you tell the difference yes <laughs> okay <laughs> i love it hit us with the nightcap as much as we've touted how great these people are in these roles the nightcap is kind of turning that on its head and offering a new perspective <laughs> so we're going to take four characters from the rocky franchise and we're going to recast them with contemporary actors of today and about the ages that they should have started when rocky one was 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 created yeah so we're going to look at recasting with modern day and i know those characters are still modern day sure but the younger versions of the original characters. And we're going to do Rocky, Adrian, Polly, and Apollo. Who do you want to start with first? You tell me. Let's start with Polly first. Polly? Let's do Polly first. All right, excellent. I had to think, Polly's so cantankerous. He's so over the top. He's so belligerent and intense. But 
I was like, who's of that type that could like bring the gravitas? And I know this guy's brought it in. I got to go Jonah Hill. That's great. Yeah. I think he could do it, whether it's Wolf of Wall Street or Moneyball. Like, he's a very accomplished actor playing. You've seen Superbad. Like, he can play cantankerous very well. So, I think that's fantastic. That's my Polly. I'm torn between two. So, I'm going to give you, if you want to do an honorable mention with these, I'm not going to yell at you. Okay. I thought one of the last best movies that I saw before we went into no movies was Uncut Gems, mm. and mostly because of Sandler. If you can give me that hustling, quick talking, shucking and jiving, always angling Adam Sandler as Polly. That's pretty good. I'll take it. Yeah, that's good. If you can't give me that. If you give me. Any version of William H. Macy. Jack and Jill. No. Adam Sandler. Bastard. Yeah. So, or William H. Macy? Yeah. Ooh. So I'll take, I want I want that I want that Sandler from Uncut Gems, but if he's on set or already contracted for something else, I'll take William H. Macy. That's good. Thanks. I like it. Yeah. Those are good choices. Those, those, are, those are good. All right. Who's next? You pick this one. Let's do Apollo. Okay. You first. Anthony Mackie. That's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of influence in that from pain and gain for <sighs> me, but I just think, I don't think he would be as braggadocio and opulent, if I mean, that's not the right word. Mm-hmm. As Creed is, Weathers, see, it's, I did it right there. As Weathers was as Creed, not as Creed was as Creed. Yeah. I think he could pull it off. That's good. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't even think of him. Okay, who do you got? I thought gosh, the low hanging fruit on the ground, and I'll just pick it up and take a bite of it. It's Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. He's such a perfect casting as Creed's son. They even have, like, the way they did the, like, they trimmed the mustache is, like, identical. Like, so good. I love that casting as, as his son. Michael B. Jordan does mad really well. Oh, Michael B. Jordan's one of my favorite working actors. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, well, we both loved him way back in Chronicle. Chronicle, Black Panther, Creed, Fruitville State. Like, that, that guy brings it. Agreed. Good choice. Not going to pick him. <laughs> okay, yeah. I thought Jamie Foxx for a second because yeah. Creed's a talker talker, but I'm going with another guy who's quickly becoming one of my favorite working actors, and that's Sterling K. Brown. Um, you'll know him best from the show This Is Us right now. Oh, yeah. He just has a presence, and he also played the. Oh, I can't remember the name, but he was on the People versus O.J. Simpson as well as the one of the members of the defense team with Marsha Cross. I can't can't believe I can't remember that guy's name. Uh, silent talent, but like like he has such a presence too. Like you just gravitate towards him when he's on the screen. Like I'm very excited to see what he does coming up. So he's my creed for this version. I love both those. Mm-hmm. Did you give any thought to Idris Elba? I did. He just was a little old for me. Yeah. Yeah, if we're going for kind of like a of when they started Rocky One, yeah, that's who I'm going with. Like it. Those are good choices. This cast is shaping up nicely. It's gonna be a pretty good movie. <laughs> well, we'll save the best for last or the most important for last. Let's hit Adrian next. Okay. You or me? Uh you go. Natasha McElhoan. A lot of people are like, who's that? Californication, Solaris, Passion of the Christ. I think she's uh Mary Magdalene in that film. Adrian's tricky to me too, because if you cast somebody like, yeah, but let's just say like Megan Fox, just then it steals from like what Adrian is. Natasha McElhone does quiet really well. And she's interesting enough to be pretty interesting, but not classically beautiful. And I think that's what Adrian represents for me in the film. Sure. And I think when I look at her next to who I want to put as Rocky, they look like a good fit. Um, 
I've been a big fan of Natasha McElhone's for a long time. I also considered a younger version from like Fallen era of Imbeth Davitz. Mm. Right? Yeah. But not, she, again, I think I'm maybe 10 years too late to that party the same way with Idris Alba. Sure. But if you give me that version, then that's a possibility, but you can't because she's not there. So I'm going to have to go with Natasha McElhone. That's good. Okay, let's hear who you got. I like my choice. Okay. Um, I'm actually going to go with Allison Brie. You mm. know her best oh, as Jessie. Ruth Wilder yeah. on the TV show Glow. Oh, that's good. She has like a quiet cuteness about her. And that's yep. that's kind of what I see in Adrian. Mousy. <laughs> yeah, mousy, quiet cuteness. It's really good. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of her. She d- does great voice work. Me uh, too. Uh, BoJack Horseman. Uh, of course, if you haven't seen Glow, Glow's a terrific show. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's who I'm going to, I'm going to pick as Adrian kind of fit in that same kind of, kind of age range there. I think yours is better than mine. That's better. Okay. Good job. I like that. <laughs> okay. Good. All right. Let's get to the big, the main star, Mr. Rocky Balboa. I'll go first. Cause we both had this one. Um, and then you can do the other one. Okay. Tom Hardy. Another one of my favorite working actors. Sure. Yeah. To me, Tom Hardy with Allison Brie is as interesting as Tom Hardy with Natasha McElhone is. Tom Hardy, if you give me that bulky Bane version of him, mm. looks like Rocky. Sure. A little bit more husky, but the same kind of thing. If you are in doubt about Tom Hardy's acting chops. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be, but go watch <laughs> Locke. It's a single location in his car that is one of the most intense dramas that you've never seen. And he's done fighting. He's Bronson. Right. <clears throat> I'm gonna, I just think Tom Hardy was put on earth to be the next Rocky. That's good. Yeah, I, he may be the next Bond. I could buy that too. You like, uh, I'm an infinite fan of Tom Hardy. I mean, and Christopher Nolan has a way of covering up his face, and then no, uh, Hardy emotes more with his eyes than most actors can do with the full performance, and that's remarkable. Like he's got such a striking presence. The thing about Rocky is the rags to riches element, mm-hmm. and Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's oh, yeah, lived that. I think you've mentioned that on one of these episodes. Talk about a rough upbringing, yeah. man. So. If you can, and I'm not trying to get all method actor on you in yeah. here, but there is something about recalling on what you know so you can deliver it. And uh, the that other movie, Warrior, with Joel Edgerton. Yeah. That's yeah. good. We both had that one. Yeah, we so did. I, I kind of took th- this I one thought, and Jesse's going to give us the other one. I thought about that one too. I'm actually going to go. I tried to think of it like another kind of like sympathetic, you know, rags to riches story. And I came to a movie called Inside Lewin Davis. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to go Oscar Isaac for Rocky. Um, it's good. Another one of my favorite actors, whether you see him in Star Wars or Ex Machina, which I'm not a fan of that film, but he's pretty good. Uh, Most Dangerous Year, like he, he makes a lot of really interesting uh, film choices. Um, and I, I've never, I don't think we've seen him do like boxing yet or a sports movie. And no. I'd like to see like what that looks like with him. Well, and really short of like running in the Star Wars stuff, I haven't really seen him in a very physical role. Sure. But I, I'm with you. I don't really love Ex Machina either. I thought that was kind of an overrated movie. Well, I've seen that movie a lot. A lot. Yeah. But he's good in it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that there's something to that. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I like that one too. I like your cast. I like, I, I, like, I would never want to see Rocky remade. No. Like over my dead body. Yeah. But these people involved, like, like, that, that, those are pretty good casts. I'd like to, I'd like to see them kind of take a, a, a stab at it. Take those people and just make an original boxing movie. How about that? Well, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah, we'll write it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's certain staples that show up in film every so often. Right? Like every couple, three years, we need a good like gangster, mobster movie. Or good asteroid movie. <laughs> right? <laughs> <a joke>. No. <laughs> 
And then we need a good boxing film. Sure. We're about due. Yep. About due. Creed we're, was what, 17, 18? Late, late 17, early 18? Yep. Yeah, it's been a while. We're, we're due. Yeah, we are due for- Due a, for anything, yeah, really. Due, yeah, due for any type of sports movie, mm-hmm. to, to be honest with you. Yeah. Excellent. Well, this has been Rocky Four from 1985. Um, hit us up on any of the social medias, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, let us know any of the response. Who would you want to see as any of these characters? Like? I'd love to see what people come up with. Yeah, sure. Yeah, who would you want to see uh, cast as some of these people? Uh, yeah, watch uh, Jesse freak out and somebody cast Clive Owen and watch that just oh, destroy gosh. social media. Destroy my, just like my faith in the listening audience. They'll set the Instagram account on fire. It would, yeah, it would just shut it down. Uh, no, Brett, I, you hear me? Do it, Brett. Make it happen. Don't do it, Brett. <laughs> and uh, Joey, make it happen. Yeah, don't make it happen. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Oh, if you like what you're hearing, uh, leave us a rating or review on any of the podcast sites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart, wherever you get your podcasts. Like, thank you for all the listens. It's been great. It's been fun doing this Rocky cask. Uh, coming to you next week from 1990. <laughs> mm-hmm. You and I have been very high on this franchise. Like, we've been watching them. We've been coming in here, and it's like two guys, like, watching sports and, like, just, like, really getting to the heart and the root of these characters and what they stand for and what they mean to us and how they make us feel, and it's really emotional and this and that. Pump the brakes or take an abrupt halt because next week's going to be a total 180 because Rocky Five is maybe one of the biggest missteps, in my opinion, in all of film history. <laughs> That's my recollection of it, too. How long has it been since you've seen it? Uh, about four or five years. I'm going to try to give this the fair E.T. Yeah, sure. treatment yeah, that sure. we yeah. gave it. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm actually going to go in this instead of trying to be what's broken about this, because I know what's broken about it. It's not a boxing movie. I'm going to try to see what's not broken about sure, it. Sure, yeah. And I'm going to try real hard to not just pick that low-hanging fruit, as you said, and go it's rock It's totally fair. It's totally fair. Yeah. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen, but we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to give it a go. It just says a lot that, like, I watch Rockies 1, 2, 3, 4, 6. I've seen them all many, many, many times. Seen Rocky 5 not as many times. <laughs> and I think there's a reason for that. There's just not a lot for me to, like, go back to. So I think, like, it's been, like, a real praise fest and seeing all the greatness that this friend and that's what i really one of my goals of doing this cast was to really bring i would really put this in one of the best film series of all time like it's sure star wars lord of the rings like godfathers part one and two forget three mm-hmm. uh th- this is a great series and I'm, i don't think people ever included in lists of great franchises and it really deserves to be there's good stuff in here if you dig a little deeper yeah and that's sometimes that's film viewing that's some of the fun of it is digging a little deeper right yeah We'll see what next week brings. <laughs> I'm going to bring a real wide spaded shovel. Okay, good. Okay. I'm, I'm excited. It's been, it's been a while. So until then, cheers, Matt. Cheers, Jesse. Cheers. I'm going to go climb the mountain. I'm going to go up to the top and scream to the top, Drago. Um, I'm going to get ready for, for my rematch with him. And hopefully it goes as good as Rocky's does. Well, when you get done, I wouldn't mind if you help me turn over my cart because my yak just tipped over in the snow and I can't go any further. So you mind giving me a hand? <laughs> or whatever it is. They filmed all that in Wyoming. Like, like they made it look like Russia. It just looked like a place I never want to go to. Damn, Wyoming looks cold. Yeah. yeah we're, we're not winter people. No. So anyway, well, thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you all next week. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. Tune in or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And if you like what you're hearing, be sure to leave us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Rocky Four is property of MGM United Artists Entertainment Company, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. What I was trying to say is that if I can change, and you can change, everybody can change.